Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, host of the RouterFlex podcast and founder and CEO of our day job recruiting firm, RouterFlex. We hope you enjoy this episode. And as a reminder, please subscribe to the podcast for updates and news. Finally, if you haven't already, check out the series of books we've published on hiring, interviewing, and overall career advice titled The RouterFlex Guide, available on Amazon. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Most homeowners don't have the time or expertise to properly take care of their home, which causes costly issues to arise. That's where Cura Home Maintenance comes in. We're a full-service, routine maintenance company that was developed by a certified home inspector. Each quarter, we service our clients' homes following manufacturer's recommendations to properly maintain all the necessary appliances. We provide the materials and expertise to prolong the life of your property, creating a healthy and efficient environment for your family. From top to bottom, we'll maintain and service your home. To get started, we have a property inspection to determine what needs to be maintained, and a maintenance plan is created based on your preferences. From refrigerator coils to filters, vents, and drains, we do it all, and we do it well. Contact us today for your free routine maintenance inspection and never worry about your maintenance again. Brian Gershner on the Rider Flex podcast. Hello, Brian. Hello. How are you? Pleasure I'm doing to be fine. Here. I'm doing fine. Not often, not, not often I get to interview somebody that lives uh, 10 minutes from me. Right. We should do this in person. <laughs> exactly. Uh, for the listeners, we both live in northern Colorado, and Brian's not too far from from my place uh, is what we were just discussing before we started uh, recruiting. Boy, Northern Colorado, uh, how long you you been there? Or you, did you grow up in the area or how long you been in Northern Colorado? No, no, um, I'm a native Kansan, honestly. And um, before I came this way, um, I was up in Connecticut for almost a decade. Okay. Decided, uh, Colorado was as close as I could get to home and still have a job. <laughs> <laughs> uh okay very it's good, good. It's been very good to me though it has just exploded in northern colorado lately hasn't it with the, with the development and the construction and the homes and the businesses it's unbelievable yeah no it, it it is wild but it's still a good place with all that growth it's still it's still been a good I, I like it i agree yeah i'm still okay with it uh when i moved to johnstown uh we had one stoplight. In fact, it wasn't even a stoplight. It was a flashing light at the McDonald's downtown. <laughs> so uh, it's changed just a little bit. Um, yeah, still still a good place to live. Uh, you know, it's getting a little more crowded, but it's still. Uh, there's just a lot of diversity around here. So that's one nice thing about where we are. Yeah. Um, out of the city, but like crazy diversity. It's wild. When I go around, I see these businesses and I'm like, are you serious? We have one of those here? <laughs> like. <laughs> it, it just it looks in counties and you wouldn't realize it, but there's some pretty amazing businesses up here. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. So you grew up in Kansas, so we went to high school? Yeah, no, I grew up in uh, Hayes, Kansas. Oh, well, Hayes, America. I know exactly um, where it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, spent a long time there and then um, uh, met my wife in college and she got an opportunity to work for uh, UConn. So Sight unseen. We just uh, packed everything up and took off east of the Mississippi, and for the very first time, and it was amazing. It was really cool. It was it was a really great experience out there. Was she from Kansas too? 
She was Colby. <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, not everybody uh, transitions well to the Northeast coming from the middle part of the country. A lot of people can't, they don't do well. I'm surprised you guys did all right though, huh? Well, what I noticed was, uh, you know, being from Kansas, you get around, you talk to folks and there's a pretty long story. Um, when I got out East, I found out you just get, you, you, it's, it's bottom line first. But you, you get to the punchline quick, and then you tell as much story as you have time for. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good way to look at it. They do move a lot faster. They talk a lot faster. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I, I grew to appreciate it, though. Like, just as far as culture, you know where you stand with folks out there. People don't mess around too much. That's a good point. I had a guy told me uh, from, uh, he was actually from Albany, but uh, he, he said, look, because he, he would come out to Texas and Oklahoma and see me. And he would say, look, here's the deal. He goes, the reason we always move so fast is it's always freezing to death. We're almost frozen all, all the time. <laughs> uh, I lived in Connecticut from, I lived uh, just northwest of Hartford up in Avon Simsbury. Yeah, no, I was in Hartford. So I know exactly. I was um, half an hour east, Stafford Springs. I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. Many times. Uh, we, we did not, well, we were there for three years. Hmm? I did okay. My wife, she never, she was a small town. She was from Big Springs, Texas, which is out west. And I don't know if you know where that is, but uh, Midland, Odessa, all that stuff. And so, yeah, Kim didn't, she didn't do well, Connecticut. <laughs> She's never fit in. Well, I remember uh, I took my dad up there. He was born and raised Kansas all of his life. And it's claustrophobic if you're not used to it. There's so yeah. many trees. The forest is dense, like, like you don't need sunglasses. <laughs> you just don't. Like, there's always shade. So um, yeah. it, it was a change, though, but um, that's what I was looking for. I just really I was fresh out of school. Um, I had gone through and got a degree in uh, fine arts, realized I wasn't super employable and then went in communication arts. So ah. right after that, you know, being in communication arts. Um, yeah, I growing up small town, Western Kansas, uh, kind of always knew I was going to pick up and head out. Yeah. And um, good, good for you. It's just that that was my opportunity, you know. Yeah, I felt, yeah. you know, I felt I felt young and dumb enough. I I could compete with the world, and you know, wasn't going to scare me. So, got out there, and I, actually, I did all right. I, I found a good groove, made some good friends. Um, started doing a lot of design work for point of purchase marketing, uh, retail locations. So uh, okay. it was kind of good. It was getting my feet wet, kind of getting into a lot of that. But um, Connecticut was good too because there's a lot going on out there once again there's all kinds of businesses just in these nooks and crannies and yeah. you wouldn't even know they're there just like colorado but it's a lot smaller <laughs> yeah no doubt. no doubt what what did your folks do your mom and dad yeah well um so my mom ran a daycare for like 45 years self-employed um all right yeah that was pretty amazing so i kind of grew up in a bit of a controlled chaos environment <laughs> always someone to have a bowl of cheerios with in the morning and then uh, my dad was into electronics. So he did a lot of like early on uh, electronic work when it was, you were actually soldering and making your own soldering boards back in the day. And then as that progressed, he went into business on his own, uh, rental properties, real estate, um, started doing a couple other kind of, just real picking up like he'd make something, get on eBay when it was fresh and back in the day and he'd sell that product and then he'd brought some properties and just kind of, Wanted to be his own boss, wanted to kind of do his own thing and, you know, found his own way in that regard. 
now I know where the so the entrepreneurial bug came from mom and dad then basically yeah yeah and you know fun thing with my dad being electronics I learned you know not to be too afraid of pushing a button or turning something off because he was always breaking and putting things back together <laughs> okay cool any siblings um I have a younger brother and a younger sister yeah are they entrepreneurs um no my my brother um my brother is a web developer get this for a metaverse game development company based upon cryptocurrency it's a new trend these days interesting <laughs> um and uh my sister is stay at home with her daughter but was um a regional lobbyist for the heart foundation in oh, kansas cool. city all right all right pretty good. and then just a couple more little questions around who you are as a person in their early life were you Good, like straight A student, good kid, never in trouble, or did you did you your dad have to come get you down at the sheriff's office in Hayes, or what? What give me? Some well, I was pretty good at getting away with most of it, and definitely not a straight A student. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, once I got it, as as I said, once I went into college though, and kind of found what I like doing, that whole little area where I could focus on inside of like the arts, I just just there I I got straight A's. Everything else was kind of an exploration. I felt. Uh, College was always a test, you know. How many, how many things can you juggle at once? Right. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Multitasking right. experiment, I suppose. <laughs> okay, very good. How about now? Married, kids, single, social life. What's up? No, uh, I got married. Um, eighteen going on nineteen years, and I've got a son. He's eight years old. His name is Max, and uh, uh, he's just freaking amazing. So very good, good for you. Oh, I think too. But you know, Max, it's pretty cool watching him grow. You know uh yeah and he uh is at a magical age uh that's before puberty which is awesome <laughs> yeah i always say um between di between finishing diapers and about 11 they're awesome <laughs> uh after the 11 or 12 13 you know sometimes it can be a little rocky uh uh, what's your wife do? Um, she is an art teacher. She's a K three teacher. Yep. Okay. Dublin. Uh, right. She's at Conrad Ball right now, a new school consolidated from a couple different schools. Ah, all right. Huh. Yeah, cool. Appreciate you sharing that with me. Okay, cool. So you get out of school uh, and you continue with the with the artistic, creative kind of mindset in your jobs. Walk me. Walk me through a little bit of your your career before White Label uh, IQ, uh, just a little bit. Um, so um, I, I started in the fine arts, went into graphic design. I spent seven and a half years on my bachelor's degree. <laughs> so um, kind of one of those like, why would I want to graduate? Full-time job? Doesn't sound like fun. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> I remember uh, my very first full-time job, 40 hours during the summer, I was a graphic designer for the university. Two weeks into it, I'm just sitting there like wondering, is this my life? I turned to my I turned to my boss and was like, so let's just say like theoretically, I just took off for the rest of the summer. Could I get my job back? And she was like, Well, maybe. And I, that was good enough. Went to Europe on my own for like two months. Wow, two, that's before you like, thousand dollars and was like, let's Whoa. see what I can do. You know, worst case scenario, I come home early. I just was this before you got married then before you yeah no this was on my own yeah this was before i got married oh cool all right all right there, there must be some there's some stories in that trip i'm guessing yeah some i can't tell but <laughs> uh, the um you know after, after doing that i graduated 
and um, actually stuck around a few years, worked for a company called DSNWK. It was a developmental services company working with disabled people. And I was a job coach, basically um, helping people get their first apartment, get their first job, kind of learn a lot of those living skills and making that transition. Did that for about two, three years. And then back to the story when my wife got the uh, job opportunity. We were still dating at that time and okay. sounded like a great adventure. So we took off and uh, I ended up working for a company called Windsor Marketing. And uh, we did a lot of point of purchase marketing material for retail locations. So, you know, think like uh, yeah. grocery stores, Brooks Brothers, Circuit City back in the day, um, just all the different signage you see inside of real estate mm -hmm. or, uh, yeah. retail places. And that was pretty cool. Very seasonal type, you know, situation with the types of sales and everything. But uh, you kind of get to the point where um, you're either putting down roots or you're picking up and moving. And um, we decided um, after a little while, we were going to get closer to home so we could be around the family, be a little bit closer. Parents were aging, you know, my brother, sister were looking to have kids and just wanted to be a little more part of it, you know, being all the way up the east side, that wasn't possible. So yeah. Yeah. I stuck around and um, we we're still up in Connecticut, and uh, I went and uh, did a program and got a Bachelor's of Science in Information Technology from UMass Lowell, and um, really wanted to get more into like a lot of the web space because that was definitely growing. Print wasn't, you know, gonna wasn't growing so much back then, and you know, yes, I'm back, I'm back to the point where you know, web wasn't really that big of a thing before I got out of college. Um, so did that, got the degree, and then as I came to Colorado, started working for a brand strategy firm and started leading most of their digital products, projects. Okay. It was a company called Hebner Marketing. Yeah. And uh, technically kind of somewhat worked for them still. It's a little complicated story, but we'll get into that. Um, but yeah, I was it, it, having an art degree and then an IT degree. Um, I, I could kind of bridge that gap between design and development and going in my development degree, you start to realize that you really have to focus down to do well in the industry. Like you have to be, you know, you have to develop inside of a very specific stack and Excel to be doing well. And I didn't really have the attention span for that. Okay. Um, so um, I kind of was able to bridge that gap and started handling a lot of the digital projects. Um, you know, this is even back in the day when, Facebook just was really becoming a thing. And we're like, what's the next social platform? And that was the story. Um, and progressively in, in working inside of a marketing agency, started working with a lot of freelancers. We started hiring different development teams and really started to see all the budgets move um, into the digital space. Um, be it, you know, paid media ads, websites, lead conversions, all that, the money started moving. So we as an agency started moving that way too, of course. Mm -hmm. And um, progressively, just started to build um, development teams. Our, you know, um, classic marketing agency experience. You go to the table, and they're like, "We need one of these." You're like, "Your lucky day. We know how to do that." <laughs> and then you pop up in Google, and you're like, "How to build a website?" <laughs> um, so you really learn a lot trial by fire, particularly yeah. at the time when it was really just evolving. There was, it felt like the wild west, everybody, you know, there's a lot of opportunity. 
Um, and in that, you know, things started to mature. Clients started asking for a lot more sophisticated solutions, a lot more integrations, a lot more interactive experience, a lot more strategy into it as people started getting there. And that's really where the um, the fun was. The idea yeah. is like building that strategy, building that plan, building something unique, you know. And uh, we started then working with um, a couple agencies offshore because we kept running into the problem where when we're working with freelancers, we're getting really inconsistent delivery and experiences and didn't know what to expect. Right. So it was a tremendous amount of time from our agency to be able to manage everything going on. Mm -hmm. And then as we started bring people in house, it got to the point where we bottlenecked constantly. We'd sell one, two, three projects, and then our sales team would be kind of frozen. They'd be like, I have this great idea, but I'm not going to pitch it because if we pitch it, we're never going to be able to launch it. It's not going to work. You know, um, we just don't have the bandwidth to do it. And then, you know, working with agencies, it gets kind of pricey on the U.S. side. So we ended up going offshore. Okay. With some teams out of Bulgaria, uh, India, went into the Philippines, Ukraine a little bit. And um, what ended up happening, you know, you can't necessarily predict it, but um, this particular relationship I developed with Nishant Rana. Uh, he's in India. He's up in Ahmedabad. And we just kind of were able to work really well. You know, a lot of that often happens even with clients. True. That's true. You know, like you start, you develop a partnership and a lot of it is based upon like the core values. You know, what are your values? What do you, how do you work? How do you work with people? Mm -hmm. How do you treat people? Yep. And when you find good alignment there, something comes together, you know, like you don't always know what the opportunity or where the spark is. And we kind of found that. And through it, we just kind of started building up that agency on the other side. And we ended up merging uh, officially in 2020. So, I see. I see. So, okay. And that, that merger is White Label IQ? That merger is White Label IQ. So we were operating as White Label IQ prior to that, but it was more of a strategic partnership. And then in 2020, we went over, we inked the deals, we formed, we incorporated kind of and set up a new shop bought a new office and then started to grow and from 2020 we've gone from 17 to 80 people how about that okay very good so all right so hubner and but he didn't have white label uh before no that this kind of was one of those situations in a business where you solve a problem and you're like well, i could probably do that for other people too and then mm -hmm. Okay. Business bursts out of the existing business. I see. I see. So, and were you, if you weren't a founder at Hubner, so what happened to the owners there? Are they? Um, yeah, he's still there. He's still there. You know, um, just a lot of transition and succession talking and just progressing there. But um, the, it, it was the, the, the way it worked was in a lot of the development, we needed to scale. Okay. We needed to have like dedicated PHP developers. Okay. Now we're working in, you know, um, no.js. And we needed to have a lot of specialized skill sets to be able to do the work we're doing. Okay. But in, in any kind of business, even like an agency, you run, particularly with my experience in agencies, you realize you get this book of business and then you hire somebody against it 
And if that book of business is not consistent against that skill set, then you end up hunting that kind of business. And then your focus in the agency or business starts to dilute. Yeah. And you're you're chasing so many shiny objects mm -hmm. that the business really starts to struggle. So um we solve that for marketing agencies particularly. I see. Um, and in that we really work well with agencies who know what they do and what know what they do well and want to be best in class in the area that they focus in. And then we come in with a lot of the development and like technical strategy and really provide best in class services and delivery and what we do well. And it allows us to partner with people and kind of really create these win-win situations. Okay. And uh, the business side, um, in many ways, we operate as a staffing solution because- Sounds like it. Right? Because you're bringing talent to the table for a specific need for a specific period of time. Mm -hmm. And um, the company's not burdening those fixed costs. Mm-hmm. Very good. Let's take a pause right there because I want to repeat back a few things I've heard. So White Label IQ now as it stands today, and by the way, for the listeners, it is whitelabeliq.com. Mm -hmm. um, as it stands now, so so if I have an agency that uh, maybe, maybe my specialty is, I don't know, graphic design, whatever. Sure. But but I dabble in some other stuff, but I don't really have enough people to do a bunch of work. And then all of a sudden I get a phone call that says, Hey, I really need some SEO help. I uh, need need somebody to help with SEO with our new website. And that agency's like, oh gosh, yeah. Sally usually works on that, right? But I don't know she's out. Sally's out. Uh, she's not available right now. Boom! They call White Label IQ, and you you provide somebody. Is that accurate? Correct. Yeah, we we provide blended services. So we're coming in, in like either on a, a project or ad, ad hoc basis. Okay. Uh, we work with them, define the scope, define what that's need provided quotes, timelines, all the background right. information so that they can communicate back out to their client. Okay. And deliver. All right. And are your contractors wearing the agency hat then and representing themselves as now uh, that that temporarily working for that agency? How does that work? Yeah, it's about 50-50. So okay. about half of the agencies just bring us forward and they're like, hey, we do this. We do it really well. Here's our partner, White Label IQ. They exclusively work with marketing agencies, which- all right. That's important because um, you don't want to be in competition with your own mm -hmm. clients. Mm -hmm. And in that regard, um, we're able to come to the table. And for a lot of people, we'll put on that agency's hat and I'll show up and do discovery meeting. And I am the yep. senior director of development. Okay. And are you housing these contractors as employees W2 or how are you doing it on your end? Are you, you know, you know what I'm, you know what my question is. So we do, sure. uh, yeah, no, we, we do all full-time employment and we're very transparent uh, when we bring on contracts. Um, I see. So I see you're carrying. And we need like Python developers uh -huh. or an um, example. I, I don't have, a, I don't have a number of Python developers on stack. So, We'll go out, we'll tell the agency what we're doing, that we're hiring on contract, because I have to be able to support these builds after the fact. Mm -hmm. Leave you after the build hanging, wondering why things aren't going well all of a sudden. Okay, so do you carry any of these folks regularly, or you just go get them when you need them, and then sometimes they, they'll they'll work on the project, and then you lay off the W-2 person? How does that work? What's your business model? Um, we, we, we keep everybody on staff. Um, okay. A lot of our focus is we build teams. And we really focus in a lot of website builds. So 
Okay. We have uh, in our in our company we're structured where we have account managers in the U.S. side, and every every hire on the U.S. side has a counterpart on the India side. Okay. And that operates as the bridge between the time zone differences and just the geographic. Very good. Very good. Mm-hmm. What and percentage? Then, uh, what percentage of your labor force is overseas versus the U.S.? Um, we have probably about eight people here in the U.S. and about sixty-two people or 72 people over in India. Wow, and what percentage of your revenue is US? Um, about 95%. <laughs> okay, very good. Uh, all right, sounds good. And this at this point, when you when they merged, when the Hubner owner merged with your other guy, I can't remember his name, What's his, what was his name? Ishant Rana. I can't, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'll let you pronounce it, but... Uh, uh, when they merged, then they said, "Okay, cool, we're we're merging." And Brian, we want you to run this thing. You're going to be president. Is that is that how it worked? Um, progressively. At, at first, I was managing both of the businesses, okay. and um, also a SaaS build. Okay. Um, not not recommended. <laughs> so, um, just okay. Spread yourself too much. And All right. Not All able right. to make great decisions. And when you're, and um, before we. Um, separated white label from the company, it it is really an issue of if, if you can't focus and make decisions mm-hmm. for that business, yep. every decision you make is uh you know it costs the other side. Yeah, no doubt. Did they uh did they um offer you equity in this new entity that was formed? Um we're I mean we're still in a lot of talks and how that ownership and equity is is okay. so okay I understand Just grab it while you can. If you can, of course. <laughs> um, okay, very good. Appreciate uh, you walking me through all that. Okay. Um, is there a targeted uh, size of company and are you targeting certain types of agencies or are you agnostic? What, what What's your target client look like? So there are a number of, uh, what shall I say, user journeys that um, seem to work well with us. Okay. Um, one of them is what I call like the doer to director. There's a lot of times in a business where you have like an individual, maybe you, a unicorn. Okay. Everybody wants the unicorns. They, they know some front end, they know design, they know marketing, they get well along well with clients and you want to, you want to promote them. They, they know enough. They're, they're Jack or Jill's of all trade. And we can come in to either the, the marketing team and we basically become, we resource that individual. And it allows you to elevate that person from a doer who's in the weeds to beginning to direct a lot of these projects and initiatives because they understand the concepts. They understand the political nature around it. They know how to get things done. They know how to work with and delegate people progressively. Mm-hmm. So that that's a great kind of, in, in that type of scenario, it helps because you're you're staying nimble you're staying strong. You've got your core people. And I often refer to it as a core flex strategy in staffing. Okay. And you're resourcing through strategic partners, uh, the actual production of a lot of the work. Mm-hmm. That happens. Um, Very good. Yeah. Another classic scenario that we work is uh, fill gap. So when you get into a situation and you're probably very familiar where someone leaves like a star employee, a unicorn, or mm-hmm. someone, there's a, a big project going on, that you don't really want to have to hire rapidly. Um, you want to buy time. You want to have, you want to be able to do it well, you know? Yep. So we'll come in 
and we'll just fill that gap for one, two, three, four, five, six months, whatever it takes. And then when the need subsides, we back out. Okay. Very good. Yeah. I like it. I like it. What, what, uh, what marketing, or excuse me, what recruiting firms are you partnering with to make sure you keep your talent pool full because you can just, now that we've met and you know about Riderflex, you can just get rid of all them and we'll have a relationship. Especially especially since we live close to each other. (laughs) It's important because um, particularly here um, on the U S side, um, we are we are nimble on the U.S. side when you look yeah. at the proportions of eight people. Yeah. So every hiring decision is um, really critical. Oh yeah, absolutely. Besides, you know, we yeah. can't like you, you can't. There's there's nowhere to put your head down in a mm-hmm. company on the you know in the size we are here in the U.S. So you right. need people who are going to contribute. You need people who have that chemistry. You need to be able to. Mm-hmm. And it, they're they're really critical decisions, and yep. we do work with a lot of recruiting firms. In India also to be able yeah. to yeah. make sure. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Just to clarify, I wouldn't be interested in doing any recruiting over in India. I've, had, <laughs> I've, uh, I've, uh, yeah, I have no interest in doing that, but, uh, <laughs> the U S stuff for sure. Um, okay. Thank you for sharing that with me. Uh, I want to add, by the way, I, you know, your prices are very, uh, competitive. You know, I looked at your, your website and, when I saw your price per hour, I thought, "Oh boy, these are co- very competitive prices." So I wouldn't, I'm not surprised to find out that you're, you know, 85 percent of your workforce, ninety percent of your workforce is in India. So now I know, now I know the business model. I know how you, you know, I know how the math is working. Um, do you ever get pushback from clients around the language or accent barrier? Is that an issue at all ever? How do you and how do you work around that? Sure. Um, so. A lot, the vast majority of people that we're hiring that are on the account side, mm-hmm. um, they, they speak English. I mean, English in India is one of the national languages. So um, there is, you know, there's a lot of people here who speak their own. And honestly, I've, I've got a lot of people over there who are correcting my grammar. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's because um, you grew up in Kansas, man. I grew up in Oklahoma. It's the same thing. <laughs> Our grammar's terrible. <laughs> and um, to some degree, too, like, um, if it is a problem, we're probably not a great fit for you. Yeah. Okay. Very good. All right. Cool. Thank you for sharing all I'm that. Not, I'm not saying it. It's like it is a big problem because that it it is one. It is an issue, right? The the time difference, the language, sure. the sure. Yep. and yep. very much in part of our value proposition is solving that offshoring, you know, way. And and I I refer to it as hybrid offshoring. So it allows everybody that we work with to have somebody available in their time zone who understands the culture and the needs and like why things are happening in the yes. business and has experience within agencies, yes. the same people that we're doing with, because you have you have to understand your audience. You can't just serve them at a distance. That's right. So to you know, to go from good to great, you really have to have people who are close, who mm-hmm. get it, grew up mm-hmm. in the same way, who can have those conversations build those relationships. Um, and I'm not saying you can't do it offshore, but the the time differential and everything is brutal. Very, very brutal. Yep, it's brutal, especially in India. I mean, the, the time zone change is, uh, what is it, almost opposite, right? I don't know exactly what it is, but it's pretty much opposite. 12 and a half hours. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's very hard. Uh, okay. My next question, let's get into this as we, as we and, and just for the listeners one more time, I want to make sure I get in white label IQ.com. Um, 
I want to ask you, Brian, about the future a little bit, uh, especially as it relates to tasks that agencies and, and marketing firms do. So this probably affects your clients more than it does you guys. Uh, with the rapid advancement of AI and and the tools that I see coming down and everything that ChatGPT and everybody else is releasing, you know, I've visited with some agency guy. I know a lot of agency people, right? And I've interviewed a shit ton of them and uh, have a lot of friends that are in that line of work. And I have started to think like, Ooh, boy, I don't know. There's some, there's some, there's some things here that look like might be getting eliminated pretty soon. You know, whether you're a graphic design, graphic artist or whatever it is, I'm like, Ooh, I don't know. Uh, what are your thoughts, Brian? Are you, are you nervous? Are you worried? What are you thinking? I know this is a big question, but talk to me in general. I've been thinking about it a lot, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a cut. There's a, a couple aspects to it. The first one is uh, people who get into the marketing industry a little, a little crazy. They've got some sort of chaos addiction to some degree. Okay, and <laughs> right I, brain, I, right brain, the right brain, not left brain for sure. So I, I speak that because, like, you can't necessarily teach all this in school. You can teach the theories, but like. Marketing's on the front lines. Things are changing fast. Yes. You're, you're constantly having to kind of reposition, readjust, recalibrate your agency mm. yep. um, all the time. Yep. This is not like a sit back, make a widget. You're going to be doing great in 30 years and, and cultural icon type industry. Mm -hmm. it, there is a tremendous amount of innovation uh, happening constantly. And you have to be somebody who likes that kind of chaos. I, you know, I was reading, uh, Dan Martell, um, Buying Back Your Time book, and he starts with um, entrepreneurs and talks about chaos addiction within the, this realm. And uh, there is some truth to it, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but so if you're in this business and you were kind of made for it, you probably don't know any better. You couldn't get out. You'd be bored as crazy. Okay. So, well, while things are changing and there's dramatic concern, um, if you're doing well, you were made for it. And other the other aspect is that, you know, classically, when you look at these types of disruptions in the economy, um, we know that at the end of it, more jobs are created than destroyed. It's just that there's a lot of retraining and there's a lot of jobs that just don't come back, mm -hmm. as you talked about. When we look at what's going on, uh, don't get me wrong, because, you know, we do a lot of digital production work. OK, um, so at, at the end of the day, though, um, it's just going to beat the mediocrity out of all of us. There's no showing up and checking a box and going home in this. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have to innovate. You're going to have to learn how to do things differently. People are going to move your cheese constantly. So <laughs> it, it, it means that whatever field you're in, you have to focus a bit more on the strategy, understanding what needs to be done, what needs to be done next, you know, why the client's there, identifying, you know, the actual problem statement, you know, being able to get to the core of things and just be able to provide that level of strategy and insight and confidence to your end clients. Yeah. Uh, and that that has to be the focus. So my, my perceived understanding of what I believe is happening is that like agencies and internal marketing departments are shrinking. They will. Yeah. In that shrinking, there's a lot more need for strategic partnerships to be able to handle development, SEO, and all these other things 
because like like I talked about back in the day when I was coming on and we're Googling how to do a website, like that doesn't fly anymore. Yeah. I mean, you, you can do it to a certain degree, but yeah, to, to do it well, you have to excel and focus and demonstrate authority within that field because at the end of the day, people aren't buying the SEO. They're showing up at your doorstep because of the trust that they have. They show it because they're like, okay, I'm going to pay them money to do this so that I can sleep well at night and know that it's going to be done well. True. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Uh, it's so funny. You mentioned the, the, you know, say yes, even though you don't know, and then Google it and figure it out. I remember when we first started RiderFlex as a recruiting firm, uh, it was way, this is eight years ago, whatever it was. I was an operations guy, by the way, I was a COO and a CEO for some CPG companies. So I was not a lifelong recruiter before I started RiderFlex. And uh, I remember first time we were on a call and somebody's like, yeah, I need a front end, front end developer. And I, sh I shit you not, Brian, I, it was exactly, it wasn't a video call. It was on the phone and I'm Googling front end developer. What the hell is that? Let me see. <laughs> you know, uh, and he's like, have you ever recruited front end developers? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know what that is. That's a blah, 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 blah. That's so funny. <laughs> um, okay. Well on that topic that you just answered there, you know, um, it's obvious that you are paying attention. It's obvious you, you you don't have your head in the sand. You're not you're not pretending like things aren't happening. You, you your eyes wide open. It sounds like to me, which I highly advise uh, for any listeners right now. And I, I don't care what industry you're in, but I, I advise, I strongly advise, eyes open, pay attention to what's going on, stay up with what's being released, figure out how to pivot, navigate, change, use it, etc. Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, this is more like a tsunami. Yeah. You're not going to get it. It's just a matter of can you get the high ground fast enough? Uh, great. Hey, I love that. I love that. Um, I'm going to use that. I'm going to steal that line. Uh, <laughs> what, I, what I've what i been telling people, too, is and because a lot of people say that, right? They're like, oh, well, when we went from the horse and buggy to the car, everything was fine. When we went from this to this, it was when we went from kerosene to oil and it was fine. And my response is, yeah, that that was one particular industry or one particular thing, you know, this, in my opinion, and I'm not an expert, but this is a seismic catastrophic. I don't know if catastrophic is the right word. This is a, this is a global gigantic shift that's affecting more industries at one time than anything else that's ever happened in my opinion. And, uh, and so, yeah, get, make sure you're getting to high ground. <laughs> The reason being too, and one one of the things that's so different about this is that um, the amount of disruption is happening so fast. So fast. That's You're, exactly it, right. It's not even like looking out, just like that's paying right. attention to see what's going on over there. Like right. daily, massive shifts daily. Daily. I, that is the big biggest difference. It's affecting mass volumes of industries and jobs super fast i mean i don't know what the timeline was from the very first automobile to 90 percent of automobiles being on the road and 10 percent were horse and buggy but we're talking i'm sure it was 10 20 30 years whatever it was right this is this is weekly man <laughs> i mean i was up here in northern colorado i went to uh an ama mixer um at uh it's a marketing agency up in fort collins yeah. And then Bonfire uh, Marketing uh, have started kind of spinning up these mixers with the creative talent in Northern okay. Colorado. Okay. And I'm sitting there talking to uh, a bunch of designers and copywriters in this little group. And they're sitting there going like, you know, we watch enough movies. We kind of 
knew something like this was going to happen, but like I never imagined it would be the creators that would get hit by this first. Did you listen to the, uh, do you happen to listen to the Mark Andreessen interview with Joe Rogan a few months back, a couple months back? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's one of the founders of LinkedIn and, uh, he said, he said very similarly to what you kind of just said. He, they were, he was talking to Rogan. He said, you know, it's interesting five, six, seven, eight years ago, we still had this mentality that the robots were going to take the blue collar jobs first and the white collar jobs were safe. Yeah. Fast forward. Now the white collar <laughs> jobs are in danger. Blue collar guys are like, yeah, we're good to go for now. <laughs> oh, it, it did not expect it. And um, there's plenty of people still fighting the fight. You yep. know, I hear oh, it. It. don't need it, you know? And um, Brian, I, I, it's I, fine. I it's just, you need, yeah, you have to look at it differently. You really have you to, ha- sh- you have to just, I encourage people to pay attention back to back to what we were saying earlier for everybody that's listening to this podcast. We're recording this on December 5th, 2023. I highly encourage people to keep your eyes open and your head out of the sand. So don't I, and I, as a recruiter, I visit with clients and candidates every single day. Right. And, and I still to just, I still daily will talk to somebody like, Oh yeah, chat GBT. I've heard about it. I haven't really played with it or anything. And I'm just like, okay, man, like you better pay attention. <laughs> I mean, this was pretty quick after ChatGPT came out. Golden Sachs came out with uh, a, a bit of report. They talked about disruption against different countries and industries. And I know it's early on, right? Who whose crystal ball is clear? But yeah. um, they were predicting by the later half of this decade that uh, potentially twenty five percent of jobs could be replaced. I uh, yeah, and I've read and I keep reading. The, and by the way, those articles, the number keeps going up. <laughs> <laughs> The number keeps going up. Here's what's really cool. I like to go, since we live in Colorado, I like to go camping and uh, spend time in the mountains. So I keep telling my wife, I'm like, you know, hey, if it happens fast enough and robots can do everything and they want to send out universal pay, I'm cool with that. I'll just go camping all the time. That's cool with me. <laughs> that, that's pretty slow, but, you know, I, like I've been around long enough. I remember when the internet started to be a thing. Everybody yeah. was like, hey, we're only going to have to work three hour days. This is going to be awesome. Guess what? <laughs> you had to produce like two, three times the amount in the same amount of time. And that's exactly what's happening here. It's not doing anybody favors. We now have to produce three, four, five times the amount of output quality within the same amount of time for less resources. Good point. By the way, speaking of internet, oh, I'm holding up my smartphone, but you can't see it because I have my thing on. <laughs> uh, you're old enough, probably. To remember before you we had smartphones, I mean, these things, these fucking things right here make you work all the time. Like you're always working. Like I, <laughs> I mean you're always working. It wasn't like that. Man, when I was in my twenties and even early thirties, when you were off work, you were off work. <laughs> it's it's different for an entrepreneur in the sense that like there's there's no balance. It's a blend. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. Um, it's true. But um well, we're living in an interesting, it's a, it's, it's a shift. It's a, so when we look at, so I've been around a few decades and, you know, we, we do a lot of hiring. Um, and, you know, when like my grandpa, okay. Or my great grandpa, they worked, it was for survival, literally to put food on the table. That that's day. correct. Yep. My dad, you know, he grew up, it, it wasn't about survival, but it was about just opportunity. It was about, you know, mm-hmm. um, being able to travel, being able to get around, being able to do different things. You know, when mm-hmm. I grew up, it was all about informa- access to information. Yeah, true. Um, 
So and these are all reasons why you work. Like, what is the purpose? And we're getting into areas now where. Um, What's your purpose? What's your purpose going to be? <laughs> it is. It is. It's very purpose driven. Like, do I want to work here? Do I see myself here? Do I feel comfortable here? Mm -hmm. you know, the, the type of work environment is much more critical because the ability to switch jobs. Man, it's yep. easy. Yep. I mean, it's way easier because. After COVID, the geographical restraints are just ripped off. That's right. I get it. People are trying to bring people back in the office. Guess what? There's still millions of remote jobs available. Yeah. That's never coming back, by the way. I, I guess uh, every time I see those articles, you know, those articles are telling people to come back to the office. Here's who those articles are from. People that own commercial real estate buildings, old companies that want cars <laughs> driving on the road to, to, to spend money with gas. Anytime I see those articles, you can always trace it back to the money. It's 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 somebody affected negatively by the fact that people aren't going to the office financially, and that's why they want that. The, the, thing, you, there, there's there's some truth. There's a, there are a couple slivers to truth though too, because I have noticed onboarding people post pandemic yeah is harder. On onboarding new employees okay. um, is a lot more difficult than it was when you had everybody mm -hmm. in office. Yeah, well, you're onboarding a lot of people in India. They're not in the office, are they? All of them are. <laughs> oh, oh they, you, you got a building over there? You guys got an office over there? We have a large office. Uh, have you gone over? Have you have you flown over? Oh, yeah. Well, many, many times. Many times. Have you? Okay. Yeah. Uh, that that uh, flight is not fun, is it? No. Painful. Um, 35 hours. Dude. Yeah. I don't know how you do that. How's, man, my back would be... I don't know if I could do that or not. <laughs> um, um, it... The, the secret to jet lag is not to get the cheap seat. <laughs> Amen, brother. You you could not pay. I don't know. There, I would never fly coach overseas. No, I never. I would rather, actually, I'd, I'd rather die first. <laughs> it actually happened once I showed up and like my seat was literally broken. Um, and here's the thing. I'm like 6'4", okay, oh. 265. Oh, shit. You're a big dude. Uh, I like for me, it's like I, I, I sat in the back economy and I literally could not put my legs forward. I had to sit sideways. For the entire 17-hour flight. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was hard. That, uh, yeah, okay. I'm sorry that happened to you. That's something you will never forget. <laughs> <laughs> to the point with uh, working in office, too. So um, it is true. Here in the U.S., we're, we're vastly remote. Um, as well note, I am starting to bring people back into office more, but we are dedicated to the hybrid model. I see. And okay. Part of it is because I like working at home. <laughs> oh yeah, who doesn't? I mean, most people do. I mean, I, I you know, you know what I but, like. You know, you know what the number one thing is I like from working from home. This is kind of a. a this is going to sound funny, right? And probably too much information to share for the audience, but I'll just tell you because I don't think people talk about this, but I think it's real. <laughs> I think I know where you're going. <laughs> I, my own restroom, right? Anytime <laughs> I want my <laughs> own my own toilet. Anytime I want. <laughs> I don't know what the value is around that, but it is like now, now when me and my business partner, like if we have to go somewhere for the day and we have to go to like a conference or something, and I'm, like, I'm like, man, this sucks. Like, I like <laughs> restroom. <laughs> uh, anyway. Any, uh, any conversation that goes on long enough will eventually circle back to poop. Just saying. <laughs> it will no doubt about it um brian uh hey man listen thank you uh for being on the show and uh chatting uh, with us about white label iq.com i can see 
where where your services is very valuable because uh, you don't have to carry these employees. You can just call you guys anytime, especially if you got projects where you're flexing up or down. Um, and you guys can provide the support. And uh, you know, I think marketing agencies are going to be faced with uh, a lot of a lot of changes in the next uh, twenty four months. And um, being able to call on you versus have to having to hire and fire and lay off people as as things fluctuate is going to be handy so i can see where you you you'll, you'll probably while i do think i personally think some marketing agencies are going to suffer with the changes around ai for you in particular you might actually benefit because as things happen with them you're going to be able to flex people in and out so maybe it's a good thing for you i don't know that's well, on it <laughs> <laughs> thanks for being on the rider flex show brian i really appreciate it thank you Thank you, Steve.